and welcome to the ChemCycle podcast, talking about transport cycling from Britain's leading cycling city. I'm Hester Wells. And I'm Al Storer. The question we're going to be talking about today is why transport cycling, why are we doing a podcast about transport cycling, why this Cambridge Cycling campaign working on this as a, uh, an issue. Um, Al, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, why, why are we doing this podcast in the first place? I think it's because we looked to see if there was one like this and there isn't. Uh, uh, no one seems to be covering this, so we, we thought we would. Yeah, some on, some on sports cycling, which... Lots of sports <laughs> cycling. I subscribe to far too many. I'm, well, it's currently uh, Tour de France is going, which is the only sports cycling I actually pay attention to um, once a year. But of course, we, we both do cycling for sport and leisure as well. But that's not what we're campaigning for. It's uh, um, cycling as, as a mode of, of transport, making it easy for people to go to work, school, the shops, see their friends um, on safe and convenient infrastructure. One of the things that came up on um, Twitter yesterday and accidentally created a tweet storm for somebody I know was he was saying that he wasn't a cycle activist. He'd just like to get to work without being killed, to which I responded, pretty sure that's how 90% of cycle activists actually get started. And I think that's actually quite true in that most forms of activism come from getting very angry about an issue um, first. And although there are problems with, say, pedestrian infrastructure as well, um, and people who use wheelchairs or prams, for example, might um, get very angry about what's provided for them. But the average pedestrian has... Um, you know, has pavements, can get about, even if some of the crossings take forever and they aren't really prioritised. But when I started um, cycling regularly, suddenly you're trying to share space with something much bigger and faster than you that can easily kill you. And um, the the behaviour of people driving seemed a lot more relevant. And I'm sure most people who cycle regularly will have certainly every week, nearly every day, instances that um, make them scared to be on the road. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of where I came in into it as well. I started cycling for, for leisure and then started cycling to work. And uh, yeah, so although Cambridge is good, it's not brilliant every time. And you do still end up on the roads here, sharing with, with drivers that either don't care or really don't want you there. So I think that's where, where the campaigning really comes in. Uh, that, that's why people start campaigning. You know, as, as happened to Chris, he just wants to, to get to work without dying which seems a reasonable thing to do. There is also a bit of a tension there that, you know, because I spend a lot of time on this and looking at safety and stats and things, that actually, per mile travelled, pedestrians get injured at the same rate as cyclists. But that's obviously, it's not it's not people's lived experience. It's not what it feels like. Um, if cars do mount pavements, they're not as safe as, yeah. as uh, they might feel. But, but people do feel safe when they're walking on a, on a pavement. That, that's definitely true. They, they, they feel much safer compared to cycling, even with a painted cycle. And I feel safer walking, walking on a pavement. Uh, that's, it doesn't matter at that point what the stats say, frankly, as far as how it feels. And, and that's a huge barrier for a lot of people in, in cycling, even distances which are ideal for cycling or for people who find walking quite difficult. Uh, cycling can be a great mode of transport, but that many won't take up until feels like a safe thing to do as well as being so. Yes. Um, I also 
increasingly find cycling is sort of um, bound up with urbanist movement and ideas of living streets and livable cities. Obviously, cycling is a, a quiet uh, mode of travel, one that doesn't produce uh, pollution. It's kind of um, human scale, I suppose, is, is a term that gets used a lot. Yeah, um, I, I think on the, the urbanism, the, the modern urbanism stuff, that it's become recognised that cars are detrimental to how a, how a street feels. They, they, you don't tend to get vibrant cafes and restaurants spilling out into, into streets that where there's heavy traffic. It just it makes them not a nice place to be. But you still want some sort of private transport that can get you around faster than walking. And I think so cycling almost comes in in the other direction uh, to this there because it's... Oh, but what can we have instead of uh, cars? Cycling takes up less space. It's quieter. It's just, it's that much more pleasant to have around. I mentioned um, what people call cafe culture there. And I think we're, we're often told, oh, well, we can't have cafe culture in the UK because it's it's too cold. It's only sunny two, two weeks a year. But it's actually one of the things that I've sort of been surprised about when I go to the Netherlands. That actually, they do have a cafe culture, even in, you know, October, um, where you've got, quiet, safe streets, you know, people are happy to, to spill out onto them uh, if it's a nice night. Yeah, and yeah, mo- most of Britain, especially the, the south of England, southeast of England, where more people live, we have basically the same climate as the Netherlands. Uh, if anything, it's drier. Uh, <laughs> exactly, it's drier. Because we're on, yeah, East Anglia definitely is, because we're on the, the eastern side of the country. Uh, the Netherlands gets a lot more rain just because it's uh, the wind whips across the North Sea and picks up more more rain there. So, yeah, the, this idea that uh, the Netherlands has some sort of special weather conditions that make it uh, more suitable for, for that sort of culture, is, uh, yeah, it just doesn't add up. I think one of the things we're also seeing with um, cities is actually, well, cities and transport, is that people, our generation and, and younger, are driving less than our parents even at um, our age. People are uh, of our age, so that the future of transport are more willing to walk, cycle, take public transport, uh, but also experience, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but uh, transport as a service. So it's not about car ownership, but having an access access to a car when it's the right mode of transport, Uber, taxis, but car ownership is, yeah, it's not high, even um, the rate of holding a, a license is, is lower. And that's uh, something we might be seeing more as we age and find that the uh, transport environment is not really built for us. We're also increasingly living in cities. So even when we have families, it's kind of one of the, the assumptions that's been made in, in some parts of the world is that, you know, there's just be an inevitable flood of families from the city. And actually places that are expecting their like primary schools to go into decline are actually finding that they need more capacity. And actually young people want to stay in the city and don't necessarily want to go to the suburbs at the same rate that maybe their parents did. Yeah, the, the, the mid-20th century sprawl that happened, I think, a lot of people, even still as they're as they're growing older, just don't want to do what their parents did there. They like the idea of keeping going to, to pubs and to uh, cultural locations that are more in the cities, and therefore living living out in a suburban village uh, five ten miles from 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 the city just doesn't doesn't hold the same appeal as the life that people want. So we need the more sustainable transport options there 
to actually support that, uh, to support living in denser environments. A lot of cities did get cleared out in their centres during the 20th century, and that's definitely a trend that's reversing now. The, the, the density and population density in a lot of uh, European cities is going up, the same in America. Um, which also leads into ideas of, of sustainable cities. You know, cities can be more environmentally friendly because of the uh, density of, of services, and we're definitely seeing a, a trend towards increasingly densities and need modes of transport that will cope with that trend and that's not private motor vehicles that take up a lot of space not just while they're moving but when they're parked which is most of the time finding we don't have the space to accommodate private cars as a mode of transport. Al this week have you seen anything interesting on your commute? Well uh, one thing that I see a lot on my commute are the uh, the cows on Starbridge Common and Colden's Common because that's quite a uh, Pleasant route to commute across. Uh, they haven't been uh, too bad this week. They've not blocked the path as they quite often do, but uh, it's still quite uh, quite fun riding through the middle of the herd when they're uh, what, grazing. What do you do if they are actually on the path when you're trying to cycle? Stop. Uh, <laughs> stop and try and shoo them carefully, but it's half a ton of animal and uh, you need to be very careful. Um, so mine is also actually animal related. After having thought of this segment, I didn't actually have anything to say until this morning. <laughs> when I was on uh, the science park, and there are lots of geese on the science park, and today was the day that they decided, about 30 of them, to cross the road in one go, um, stopping a truck in the process, which I thought was quite good going, although I'm not sure truck versus geese, uh, who's going to win out of that. It was particularly helpful because it uh, did stop the truck when I wanted to make a right turn. So, well done, geese. Yeah, geese. (laughs) Okay, the next topic we're talking about is close to home for us. Uh, Cambridge has just had its second train station open, or railway station, as some pedants would uh, have it. Uh, So that opened in May, but opened a couple of months. And so we're going to talk about how the new train station copes with with cycling, whether it's facilitated multimodal transport and whether that will help people use it. So, Al, have you used Cambridge North yet? I've not used Cambridge North itself. It's not, for the journeys that I need to do, it's not not quite the right station for me. I I live closer to the uh, Cambridge station, so, uh, yeah, using Cambridge North hasn't yet worked out as being what I need to do. But... I do use its transport connections because the the cycle facilities that have been added uh, for it have actually opened up journeys that pass the station that are much more pleasant than the the alternative routes that they replace. Which means that I see the station, I see people using it, I see people coming in and out every morning, every evening. So have you used it yet? I've used it a couple of times because it is closer to where I live. Um, It's also quite convenient for the science park, which is um, where I work. And part of the reason for opening a second station was to enable that access to the north of the city where we've got the Cambridge Science Park and the Cambridge Business Park, which are huge areas of employment, and basically reduce the number of people who have to drive to to that location. Whereas the the main Cambridge station is in the centre of town and a couple of miles of congestion away from where a lot of people are working. So yeah, Cambridge Cambridge North Station was opened with what I think might actually be the country's second largest station cycle park. (gasps) Second Uh, to? Second only to Cambridge (laughs) itself. They've put in 1,000 cycle parking spaces, a mix of single deck and double deck racks. So far, it's quite clear that the the Sheffield stands, the single deck racks, are more popular. The 
it's not by any means full yet, although I'd reckon it's probably getting to about a quarter to a third full when I pass about 20 past eight in the morning. So there are already hundreds, literally hundreds of bikes being parked there uh, by my estimate. It's uh, It just doesn't look like it took that many because it's such a large bike park and uh, therefore uh, we'll need to have a lot more before it looks full. So what, to abstract the idea slightly, because there was a yeah. blank slate for, for Cambridge North in designing the, the cycle parking, so what yeah. parking facilities should there be at a train station? It depends where the station is to a certain extent. As well as serving the Science Park area, Cambridge North is very close to the main arterial A14 forms the partial ring road around Cambridge. So it's actually not a bad thing necessarily that it has quite a large car park because it therefore can be somewhere that people in villages that are poorly served by bus connections by or a bit beyond people's cycle connections, they can drive to that station and not cause congestion in the middle of town. Cambridge Station has quite a large car park and is in the middle of a very congested area. Having a car park like that doesn't quite seem to be a great idea when you're in in the middle of town if you're on the edge if you're or parkway type station yeah okay it's not what i'd campaign for but a large car parking i think can be important as part of the mix. it opens up the use of the station to more people who might otherwise drive the whole journey but because it's also near to quite a lot of residential areas and as we say near to major uh, employment areas having a large cycle park is very useful it means that people can easily access the station uh, by bike or when they do access the station by bike they know they've got somewhere where they can park reasonably securely reasonably safely right next to the entrance to the station yeah I, yeah it's important that it's right next to the entrance and it, that's not just um well obviously it's for convenience um yeah. but also it means it's it's visible so you don't go to the station and then spend 10 minutes wandering around wondering where the cycle parking is. Yes. Um, especially when you've got a train to catch. But also it's got that sort of, it's overlooked um, because theft at the train station has historically been quite a problem at uh, Cambridge train station. Uh, you mentioned that the, the Sheffield stands are, are more popular. I think that is always going to be the case. Yeah. But also they are slightly closer than the double-deckers. <laughs> they are, yes. Uh, they have put at the end of all the rows, including the double-decker rows, an extra long Sheffield stand as their attempt to provide parking for cargo bikes, tandems. I hadn't um, actually like, noticed that. Ah. That's <laughs> very nice. <laughs> yeah, they've provided the parking for cargo bikes and for tandems. It's a really good initiative on their part. Uh, that, again, opens up more users with uh, more types of bike. Is it a standard Sheffield but longer or is it loaded around? It's just a standard Sheffield but longer, which means that there is a risk that people will use them for normal bikes. But uh, I'd rather see lower to the ground or ground anchor type ones because those are more u- are much less useful for people with uh, with normal bikes. Uh, uh, so you mentioned briefly the routes. So I think I mean what I would be looking for for access to a train station would be firstly separation from from cars, ideally from uh, pedestrians as well. And on that score, there's an extension of the the guarded busway to the new uh, train station, which obviously also means that there are buses that um, have got their own. Uh, routes to the new train station. Um, now the guided busway is a shared use path. At the moment that section of it is quite quiet. 
depending on how use of the station picks up, that might be a problem in the future? It could be, yeah. I mean, I, I do find myself, since the uh, station opened, having to use my bell a little bit more along that part of path, because part of it was opened well before the station. There are more pedestrians there, but so far it's not a, not a huge problem. It's, uh, a, it's a good width. It's a good width. It's, it's, uh, so as long as you've not got a group of teenagers walking three or four abreast uh, and taking up the entire path, as, as teenagers will do, not something you can ever stop, then it's okay. There's usually plenty of space to pass people safely without uh, getting in each other's way. So there is some really good off-road walking and cycling connections. Because apart from the fact that you're not sharing space with cars, it's also quieter and more pleasant. Yeah, so as well as the busway connection, we've got a five-metre path going parallel to the to the main road access, but separated from it by a ditch and uh, a line of trees. That's quite a pleasant path to uh, go along, even though it's dead straight and just a bit of black tarmac. It's actually quite a nice... Uh, and uh, excellently spaced bollards, I thought. Excellently <laughs> spaced bollards, yes. I think the, the, the experts that were uh, brought in for that, those, those were put in the right place, uh, did, a, did a very good job. Yes, we, we recently had a campaign against bad bollards. And the county council did consult us on, on the placement of the bollards on that section of path. That path may be, at some point in the future, segregated. Uh, it was put in relatively cheaply, but the, there are services underneath it that may need to be upgraded. So they didn't want to spend too much money at first when they reckon it might need to be dug up in the near future, which is... A reasonable bit of planning. It's not on my route, so I don't use it much, but I don't know whether there's much conflict with pedestrians along that. Well, I saw somebody who had a whole load of cones out and was uh, skating between the, the cones on half the path at some point, So I don't, but I haven't necessarily seen it at busy times yet. Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem is, uh, given that's it's sort of two accesses to the station in that direction, one is the guided busway and one is that, that new path, and the new path is really good, but it's let down by the fact that when it hits Milton Road, you then have a three-stage pedestrian and cycle crossing, which takes a very long time. And that is a, definitely a, a disincentive to take that route if you're coming from the Science Park. If you're heading out to uh, Milton, for example, that wouldn't be an issue. Um, yeah. And that would be the obvious path to take. Because the station does therefore serve Milton Village uh, quite quite well, especially for, for people by bike. It actually gives them a station that's in a sensible distance. There's a third access that's actually more of a future-proofing more than anything but it is very busy already leading down towards the river to where we'll hopefully in the next couple of years actually have a new bridge across the uh, the cam again it's just a, a shared use about the same with leading on to a little quiet back street but yeah it's very busy already it's uh it, it's quite startling to see quite how busy it is given it not signposted from further out and uh, there's there's been some criticism about that the fact that it's not signposted and certainly i've been approached by lost pedestrians several times in that area that taken the wrong turn and, and missed yeah. way to the station i believe that that was at least partially deliberate to prevent people parking in the area but there are now a couple of temporary signs at the end of the uh, the side street that actually uh, do point to the station yeah. so there, i think there is one um another issue within the, the train station development itself so currently the they do actually have a section of segregated pedestrian cycle path but at the moment, it gives way to a sort of void that doesn't go anywhere. 
Yeah, it gives way to a stub road that connects into the, the busway. And there is actually a bus service that uses that because there's a bus service that's non-guided that comes down to the station uh, but then uses the same bus stops. It still doesn't need to be built the way it's been built, especially given the way that the paths on either side of the road don't line up. It's bad details. The other issue is that if you are using the bike parking or if you've come in from Milton Road and are heading towards the river, the crossing of the busway is a little bit awkward. It's uh, It's got some quite sharp turns. It does have pretty good visibility though, which... It, well, it certainly did have good visibility until they stuck up the uh, hoardings on one side, uh, right up next to it. But the buses are going slow at that point, so it's not a problem. And I think they've been instructed to give way to to cyclists on that uh, crossing. The other issue is that there's an obvious desire line for people who aren't actually going to the station, but are, say, coming here to the industrial estate. There's a section of missing cycle path where there's a verge which is covered in mud and obvious cycle tracks because people want to use that route. They don't want to cycle on Milton Road if they can help it. Yes. Uh, but then the cycle path just sends and doesn't give any way of rejoining the road. <laughs> Yeah, where, where we're sat has quite a lot of employment and uh, yeah, people are clearly using the station or using the, the paths around the station to, to get here, which is, is good, but it does need to be catered for properly. Uh, the other big issue for cycling and train stations, there's access and parking, but there's also taking a bike on the train. Yes, a particular problem for Cambridge North because all of its platforms are accessed by a footbridge. There's a freight siding in between the the station building and the the passenger platforms, so everything has to go over the bridge. I've not used the the stairs or the lifts, but I've heard tales that the the lifts are a bit small and that the the lessons learnt from Cambridge Railway Station on the the gutters up the steps have not been learnt, have not, uh, not been remembered. Yes, that took them three times at the main station to get them right, the wheeling channels for, for bikes up the stairs, and then they still got it wrong again when they did Cambridge North. They only had to go a couple of miles south along the line to see the rights of the design, and they didn't. It's disappointing. You would think that uh, after all the campaigning that was done at Cambridge Station that they would have uh, managed to get that one right. But all in all, uh, Cambridge North does have very good uh, cycle and walking access. It's been connected well to where people are, most places that people are trying to get to or will be coming from. There was one potential more pedestrian access in from the housing estates that did get blocked by the locals who I think uh, have... uh, slightly shot themselves in the foot there. I understand understand partly their reasoning, but I, th- I think some of them will be uh, wishing that they hadn't uh, fought against that access now, because they've yeah. a slightly longer walk to the station. But it is something that affects mainly those people in that area, yes, because there yeah. are other routes for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It wouldn't have been a busy route had they uh, had it been opened because it wouldn't have been very useful for any for anyone but the uh, people that objected. But yeah, no, I think it's a, it is a good good model for access it, it, they've uh, put quite a lot of thought into into the access routes and uh, yeah so yeah a few a few niggles but nothing yeah no major in engineering I, changes it, it's niggles i think it's definitely in the, the the first world problems level of uh, access and not perfect but good Although, of course, there's nothing else on the station development at the moment, whereas in the years to come, there'll be shops and hotels and restaurants and and things, and then we'll see how much of the existing access gets chopped up. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, We do need to keep a a careful eye on that. Okay, well, that's everything for today, our first ChemCycle podcast. Uh, Let us know what you think on our website, www.chemcycle.org.uk, or tweet us 
at CamCycle. We probably have a Facebook. We're, we're on Facebook and I think we're on Instagram as CamCycle UK because we didn't get in there to get the CamCycle uh, address, although the Instagram is not used so much. I'm, I'm not but on Facebook. I'm an old person. F- Facebook, Twitter and our website will give you all the, uh, the ways that uh, you could possibly want to reach us. And thank you very much for listening. Uh, CamCycle is the charity Cambridge Cycling Campaign. We are a membership organisation, so if you want to support us, you can join or donate. There will be links on our website to do that. Uh, Opinions expressed on this podcast are not necessarily CamCycle policy. Thank you very much. Thank you.